This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen and we are looking at everything away from the Sussexes this week. We've had an absolute sort of Sussex avalanche of news at the start of the new year but the rest of the royal family have been busy, mainly for better, occasionally for worse over the last week Um, and I am your host Anne Gripper welcoming back Daily Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers from his travels. Oh that's quite, I need the drum roll for that, that was quite exciting. Did you bring me back a present? No. Did you bring Mrs Myers a present? No. Oh Russell. I'm very bad at this sort of thing. Oh dear. I, I, I just got through the door and then collapsed into bed it's been, it's been well i mean there's a present for trip. mrs myers yeah. right there know, right know, there so okay well welcome back um things Thanks. that you missed while you're away we talked to um some media experts we talked to the head of ipso yes. and um our old colleague carol watson who's now a senior law lecturer um thank you for Yelena Alvarez McCoy, I'm sorry if I've got your name a little bit wrong, but I think that's right, um, who messaged on Instagram who said um, she thought it was interesting that uh, the point that in a newspaper you can see a different aspect of the coverage as opposed to kind of the single links or stories that you would see online. So I went and spoke to our head of circulation, Johnny Howard, about how our international listeners could best see the the newspaper and read your fine words in the newspaper and see it Get a different perspective on it all. And the good news is, if you sign up for the Daily Mirror iPad edition, you get a two-month free trial. This is very exciting. It's very exciting news, isn't it? So, you know, if, if e-edition doesn't have to be on iPad, whichever um, e-edition provider you use, have a look, see if you can find the Daily Mirror, and you can read Russell's work in glorious Technicolor in there and all of the other well, British goings-on. What's not to love? You get Love Island, well, all the sport. Have all you been watching Love Island? No. Uh, this I'm, will be a mad phenomenon for for the uh, American and They have Canadian. Love Island elsewhere. They definitely have Love Island in Australia. Do they? Yes, what yes. About the States? Anyway, that's a whole different <laughs> podcast. Happy Australia Day, belatedly, as well, to our Australian listeners. Um, we weren't as good as the Royals in posting our Happy Australia Day no. updates, but there were some nice, cute pictures from their previous visits. And we are thinking of all Australians who are still going through the... Yeah, it's just going on and on and it must be really horribly miserable so stay safe and look after yourselves so russell where to start where have you been where have i been um well i was obviously in israel i was in bethlehem occupied palestinian territories which was jolly good fun it is a uh, i mean jerusalem is, is probably my my fame my f- most favorite city in the world i think it's uh of all the travels we've done over the last few years it's um it's a ma- it's a really magical place and um 
it was a, a huge privilege to, to go back there. And how did Prince Charles's visit compare to, because you're obviously out there with Prince William yeah. um, just over a year ago? A year and a half ago. So, how, yeah, how did those two visits compare? I mean, obviously both future kings, but at different stages yeah. in their in their kind of development. Well, Charles wasn't playing volleyball on the beach. There's a missed opportunity. That's the first. <laughs> that's the first one we can knock off. Um, it was. It was different, actually. It was a different feeling about it. Obviously, there was. Um, it was the 75th anniversary of the uh, end of the Holocaust, the liberation of Auschwitz, and um, there was quite a somber feeling throughout it. Really, I mean, it, it, the, the build up towards it. We've been speaking about Charles's trip for with. Um, uh, going to Yad Vashem, going to the Holocaust Memorial, he went to the Israeli Museum, and um, and it was it was somber, and I I felt that he he spoke very very powerfully. Um, he he delivered a, a masterful speech, really talking about the, you know the the issues that still um, exist today about how there is you know there's still race hate, there's still um, ill feeling to marginalised communities about how they are struggling. And about how that we should be very, very mindful of these things um, in today's society because we would never want to uh, repeat the you know the mistakes of the past, the actual horror of the past. So um, it was it was it was a fascinating trip to see him up close. And I think that whereas you know from what I observe that Charles doesn't really speak a lot, he he listens intently to people, and people are you know are fascinated by that. Really, he doesn't. He's probably less involved than. Um, so, well, on this trip, from what I can see, with you know, people that he's meeting, you always see the younger ones getting really involved. Whereas, you know, D- D- Charles is a deep thinker, and he thinks, um, well, he certainly pays attention to what was being told to him. And there was an awful lot of history that he was having to, to, um, to, uh, to, to, to take on board. And um, and I, and I felt that he, you know, the two speeches that he made were were, were masterful. And was this, I can't remember, was this his first visit to... It is his first official visit. Now, he's been to Jerusalem before um, for two funerals, uh, but this was his first official visit, so he was undertaking engagements on um, on behalf of the royal family. And, um, and you know, we, we went to the West Bank with him, and that's an, it's just a, it's an incredible place. You go to Manger Square and you've got sort of Moscow Omar on one side, and he was, you know, was doing shown around there, signed the visitors' book in Arabic, which I thought was a very nice touch. And then you go across the square, and you have the Church of Nativity, and you're witnessing, you're you're looking at the place where Christians believe that Jesus was born. And then we went into this; um, it's called the, the Chapel of Saint George, which is this sort of tiny annexed building, which is uh, just off of the Church of Nativity, and. Um, there was thirteen d- d- sort of different denominations or religions, um, sort of side by side, having this one service for him, and that was a big deal because they, you know there's obviously a lot of tension in in the region between whether it's uh, you know Christians, Jews, Muslims living side by side together, and um, and they were sort of all in awe of him really because I think that we often forget that throughout his life he's done an awful lot to bring communities together. And they were trying to. They were modelling the service on a, another service, which I wasn't aware of. Actually, in 2018, he brought um, a lot of uh, different denominations together, and they had sort of um, a multi-faith service in, um, in in 2018 in Westminster Abbey. And um, and and this particular service was um, was based on that. And he was sort of the guest of honour. Really, it was um, it was a it was a pleasure pleasure to see. It was sort of me, and then a lot of monks, uh, Orthodox priests. Um, Jewish rabbis, and then Charles. 
I mean, it's just, I mean, it, yeah, it's it's very bit. It's, you know, it's um just just a standard every day. Yeah, it's uh, it's you have to take a seat back sometimes and 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 really appreciate where you are. And I and I do. I I'm, I mean, it's it is a magical, magical place and something that really takes your breath away whenever you're there and. Especially, you know, standing at the top of the Mount of Olives, where his grandmother is buried, and he visited Princess Alice's grave, grave, uh, grave obviously, um, Duke of Edinburgh's mother, um, who he was very fond of. He, you know, she lived in Buckingham Palace for the last sort of few years before she died, and um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a really, really special place. And going back to what you said about kind of the different denominations in that service charles has kind of always been quite interesting on this front because the british monarch has got an unusual position because they're also head of the church of england mm. and part of the as i understand part of the kind of the coronation oath is being defender of the faith mm. and there has always been talk that actually prince charles would like to be defender of the faiths plural sure. being inclusive of yeah. you know yeah. kind of modern britain and to a extent, i guess und- undoing a lot of the past Agro that there's yeah, been over the position. Yeah, we in very different societies, and you know, imagine like, how far we've come since '52. I mean, there is an awful lot of work that he's done in the field of trying to be. And he spoke about this as well. And he was saying that it was um, a, an event in Bethlehem, and he was saying, you know, I've always st- striven to bring people of different faiths and uh, backgrounds together, and that's something that I've, you know, made one of my life's missions. And um, and he's and he's done it pretty well. I mean, it's, it, it was really interesting to speak to some of the different, um, you know, the, the, the top dogs of the religions who are out there, and um, and really appreciate how well he is, much he is valued, and how much he is respected. Because it might just be whether you know we may see him doing um, engagements here, but that stretches far and wide. And he was, um, you know, he certainly was a guest of honor. They were they were absolutely over the moon to have him there. And obviously further commemorations yesterday with um, Holocaust Memorial Day with yes. William and Kate here, Camilla. In outfits. In outfits. I mean, it's, you know, some of this footage was hugely moving. Um, a shout out to an Instagram profile that I had, someone was telling me in, in Israel, actually, and um, and I've been having a bit of chatter with them privately just about um it's a it's a it's an instagram uh, profile called ava stories e-v-a-s e-v-a rather ava stories and um they're using the platform to to uh, essentially it's a a 14 year old girl who is in 1944 poland or hungary rather and you know some of her family and friends get taken off to the concentration camps and it's living as though it were now, so with Instagram or with emojis and stuff. So if you haven't seen that, check it out, because that I have been absolutely blown away by it. And it has really educated me to a different sort of um, understanding of the, of the of the Holocaust. And um, it's been a very, very moving time the last uh, few days, That's uh, you know. I've been very taken aback by a lot of the coverage, and I thought that William and Kate were were fantastic yesterday. And certainly Kate's photographs that she's she did with the two Holocaust survivors that were released um, during the week, and I found them them pretty moving. And that project, I think, has gone down really well. Incredible, yeah. And um, it's kind of interesting uh, seeing the evolution of the project and kind of the work that sort of went on behind the scenes. And the, the relationship. She met one of the ladies yesterday. You could see there was a video knocking around, and um, just she's got such a very, very sweet nature, and you could tell that it wasn't just a photography job it had become a passion and i spoke to a lad uh, a chap called justin cohen who is um the news editor of jewish news who had a huge 
um, a huge involvement within the project. Um, and he's written a really good blog post, actually. He about has, it actually, as well. and you should definitely check it out. I'm sure I've retweeted it. And he was saying that it was one of, you know, it was possibly one of the proudest moments of his career, but also that he really wanted everyone to know how involved Kate had got. And I thought that was... Yeah, they do a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and we can't publicise all of it. And sometimes we just... It will come across where, oh, look, Kate's done these photographs, and it's for Holocaust Memorial Day, and they obviously did the thing in Westminster yesterday. However... This was a labour of love, and it and it really there was some behind the scenes photographs put on the Instagram of Kensington Palace yesterday, and that just gives you a flavour. But it was really interesting to talk to Justin, and and he um and he and you know he articulated very well about how diligent she was, and um and and I think that Kate had said you know these stories will stay for, with me forever, and I've I've felt like that massively. I think that I've met people over the last week that have um. You know, giving me a deeper understanding of of you know, especially this. It's a big anniversary, and and unfortunately, you know, the survivors of the Holocaust are, are passing away. Um, and there will be you know only a few, a handful of these um, anniversaries left where they're there to to be able to commemorate it and um, and, and remember. So we must not forget. And if you're interested in kind of the general principles of remembrance, then well worth checking out our podcast from back in November when we talked about around in the run-up yes. to Remembrance Day and yeah. the British Legion. Um, so I'm going to do a, a shout-out for something, which was the yeah. BBC drama of Wind- called Windermere Children, which was about some um, children who had been rescued from, uh, well, who liberated from one of the concentration camps and were resettled for a few months in the Lake District to, to kind of reacclimatise to life which was you know it's kind of quite an extraordinary story it was was really sort of beautifully and gently told and was it's kind of after the horror to a certain extent people still dealing with the horrors of having to live with live with it all but quite a sort of a very warm and and moving story and then so Kate's pictures obviously so there was talk about her she kind of modeled them on Vermeer so she's combining two of her her loves her kind of fine art history and um and photography so they're sort of these quite sort of solemn, formal settings. And then the contrast with those amazing pictures that went up on the um, the Kensington Palace social media accounts. And probably unusually on such a solemn day, they were just full of joy and laughter. Mm, mm. And, you know, Kate was just absolutely cracking up. You know, the women that she formed such a good relationship, they, whether they were kind of like looking, laughing at these photos or, you, you know, you could just imagine one of them had said something to the other. And that actually, you know, there is in that remembrance for the people who have survived. I think this was one of the things about the Windermere children that was so kind of incredible, like seeing the what they'd go on, gone on gone to on be to, yeah. and do and contribute and that they had managed to take the joy out of the life that they had been lucky enough to be left to live to a certain extent so yeah a very very moving day very thoughtful week you know Uh, and and even the lead up to it um and um you know, I thought I thought they've, especially you know William and Kate uh, at yesterday's service you could see that they were very moved by it um, so yeah, I think we've covered it. We've an important day, yeah, well marked. Very much so. Um, before Charles headed off to Israel, he was in Davos. Yes. Well, this was another big moment. I mean, almost forget. Did you get to go there? Or was no, I didn't. It was it was going to be too um, too hectic. And I've you know I, I don't fly in private jets because of obviously climate change and uh, yeah. Well, well, because that is something that we probably should address here because yes. obviously Prince Charles was meeting with. 
Greta Thunberg, yep. essentially the most famous climate activist warrior probably that there's ever been like even more famous than swampy who was camped out <laughs> when we were when we were teenagers at school yeah. trying to stop a dual carriageway he was like the 1990s eco hero greta icon. is on a different scale yeah. and for being so young as well and certainly that i think everybody wants to meet her or be photographed with her um but do you want to meet her after you've just been flying around on private jets or is that a well, bit awkward well let's be certainly. honest i mean this is a two sided coin isn't it i mean there was a story in the papers this weekend have you got the details it's something like i think it was 11, 11 flights 11 flights in 16 days or, or the something. other way around so we're anyway, good on the detail Prince here Charles always. Has, has you know he was in oman because of um the uh the king of oman uh passed away and then he was obviously the, the, he didn't take all these flights and the pr- the issue is that some of the flights were taken with empty planes and this is very controversial that for me is where the issue is absolutely it's insane because there are flights being taken um you know across europe and across the middle east back to the uk where there was nobody on them um, there was helicopters being dispatched from Norfolk to Scotland or Scotland to Norfolk. And, you know, this is a, you know, it's a very, very valid point because I think, you know, I am in agreement that the royal family do important business and there is a security risk. And, you know, to give Harry his due, some of the, you know, when he said that, Many moons ago, which seems an absolute lifetime ago, but he was saying not only is it sometimes security risk, but they do do a lot of work and they have to be at certain places. And when you're flying on an official business, as most of them do, um, to use private jets, I don't necessarily have a pro- problem with that. I, you know, we we can go back to the flip side and say that Harry and Meghan shouldn't have been taking private jets to Ibiza and Nice because that's a very short trip. And there are scheduled regular there, there are regular, regular scheduled, scheduled flights. flights. But in when the um, you know the uh, Amir of Oman died and they've got to go uh, he's got to go over there to, um, to you know to pay his respects on behalf of the royal family. Then I think that is a valid reason. But then apparently the crew had overstayed their uh, their hours had um it got over their hours and then the the issue was that they had to fly another plane to pick him up from Luton i mean it's absolute madness and i think that there is scope to rethink this a lot of time especially when he was meeting greta and he was speaking about climate change and again his speech was incredible he spoke about which he said before about this decade to save the world that he wanted to leave um a, you know a, pla- a, a a planet worthy of living on for his grandchildren and certainly he's been saying this for years about how that um, we we need to make drastic changes however if you are not taking the steps yourself and you are speaking on a global platform then you are opening yourself up to to Valid criticism, I think. And and hypocrisy sure. charges and all yes, of that. Yes, I think so. You know, and we certainly can't label it at Harry and Meghan without, um, you know, questioning the choices of the other members of the royal family. And it, even though it was on official business, but uh, this this um, this uh, this issue of flying jets around the world that are empty, I had huge huge issues with. Yeah, it seems that seems very unnecessary. I think so. One one thing to. Um, mentioned so there is there's this plane that is available for the use of the prime minister and yes. the royal family royal family gets first dibs basically yes. or certainly prince charles does um 
what well, I'm not 100 percent sure. So Boris Johnson also flew out to have its picture taken with Oman to say sorry mm. at your Amir, hello to the new one. Um, so whether they would have shared their flights or what was going on, I don't know. But you know there is a degree of, um, and then they would potentially have had a press pack travelling with them, even if it was just the. Certainly, when the prime minister goes, there's a press pack. But sometimes, yeah, but I mean, sometimes business people as it. well. It's, it's a big plane, and you can fit a lot of people on there, and it does make sense that uh, you know rather than us all flying off, to, to, it's and it is a it's a huge privilege, and it's um uh, and I imagine that is probably the best way to travel. And I know um, Chris Ship, I think it was Chris Ship from ITV, said you know even after immediately after the Davos question kind of in that when the questions were first being raised but like how is he getting around mm. to all of these events it's all very well traveling from the airport in your electric exactly, car yeah. if you've flown there on a private jet um so in terms of he said that like the logistics of that trip for the time periods presumably from going to from davos to israel and the engagements there plus the people and the entourage and whatever yeah. they they'd looked at it and tried to avoid it i think was what he said but on that occasion it made most sense to fly well, chartered hence, arguably hence, rather hence than private jets hence why i didn't go to davos because i could i couldn't have got to israel it was it was impossible you could have you know done two overnight train but i still would have been late so you know, we were we were very there was an awful lot of coverage um through people's business desks or um you know, other correspondents being in davos that was going to be well covered but the the trip to israel and um the Palestinian territories were, were, were not well covered. There was a very small press pack, and, and lucky, and we were very lucky to have gone on it. And I think um, that that was the right decision. But I think know. I think it is it is a different time. I think they will look more at their flights every time. Do they? Yeah, they will do, do they do. have they, to? They have to. And they have to. they'll have to. You know, I think it's going to get questioned all the time, isn't it? So. People, people in our in our lives you know should should we go vegan and and do that kind of thing or eat less meat that's kind of a big thing i've got a friend who said you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fly anymore i've got to do my bit um and so you know f- fair play to you she, she says i understand it's not for everybody but actually for me i'm not gonna fly anymore that's my kind she's of she's not gonna fly she's not gonna fly wow i know that's a massive well, it's a massive deal i mean you cut off half the world don't you but you know, you, if you I mean, there are a lot of interesting places to see. Of course, there are. There are a lot of interesting places to see, but I do have, I do have two really good friends who live in America, mm. and either they wouldn't be able to fly back if we were banned, we'd never see each other yeah, again. Yeah, for sure. Which is, you know, maybe at some stage that is what going to be what the world comes to. Yeah. But hopefully, we'll still have Skype, and that will still work. Otherwise, it's a very long kind of yogurt yeah. pot and string to get across <laughs> the Atlantic. But um, you know, it does. There is a lot of reflection and all that kind of stuff so anyway it's change, changing times in so many ways send, russell send us your best train journeys perhaps you know i'm sure there's some magnificent places all around eastern europe and sailing holiday you could go sailing that'd be quite fun yeah also there are also cycling cycling holidays also we spent week. a full week you know week in wales last uh, 10 eight days it was masterful it was magical and yeah my pitch and it was you know the, it was beautiful weather the Pembrokeshire coast is incredible yeah the bu- really busy weekend that russell had the other weekend when i, I posted a picture of kermit the frog typing like a <laughs> crazy person on instagram and i posted my like nice serene picture of the sea that was in cornwall was so it that was in cornwall so highly highly recommend yes, that's where I am from originally, so I obviously highly recommend. Anyway, oh, let's. Let, what's the jam and the cream? 
Oh, come on. Chippy was asking this Jam on first. Jam first, then the cream. That's yeah, Cornish. Because if you're proud of your cream, you put the cream on the top. And also, I think you can get a lot more on if you put the cream on the top. Interesting. Interesting. That's not m- normally my vibe. I would go cream jam. Oh, you're Devon. <sighs> yeah, wrong side of the river, <laughs> Russell. Wrong side of the river. Um, so, another big project that was launched last year, Kate's. Yes. Kate's big early years survey where she did, she did another kind of a tour She's running around relentless. the country. She's sort of certainly taking up the mantle from the Sussexes now. There's a, a gap in the market. Yeah. I well, think this is all planned, to be honest, but it's been very convenient that there's um, a lot of attention. Well, I think it's even that, you know, it kind of makes sense of the whole they needed to get on and get the deal sorted out because there were a load of announcements and, coming and, yeah, and they, they wanted want to clear the air and get everything. They didn't want all this overshadowed. But we're not talking about the Sussexes this no. week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about Kate's uh, big big five questions which yeah. were more than sort of five questions it wasn't it wasn't that simple but it in never is essence um kate's been doing early years development for well they say for about eight years it's certainly been an interest and i think she's really picked up speed in the last sort of 18 months probably on this project and kind of really focused in and yeah, it in seem, on it. you know she's doing a lot more uh, engagements with it i think that even, you know, for instance, today she was doing something at the Evelina Children's Hospital, which is a, you know, a, a children's children's hospital that teaches, that looks after very sick kids. But she had merged that with um, her patronage of the National Portrait Gallery and doing photography and sort of 3D uh, theatre um, sessions with the kids. Now, this is run before, but, the, you know, Kate is obviously now involved in it because she took the Evelina patronage on last year but i'm sure that was obviously helping with her work with early years we were in blackpool doing stuff with her uh a while ago she's visited a you know a several other sort of kids groups and it does seem to be um gathering pace and now she's launched this what they're calling the biggest survey of its kind and there's going to be sort of um thousands and thousands of parents and guardians asked about their perspectives of early years development and what it means to have uh, diff- to grow up in different environments and this will be a landmark um, study they're, they're hoping be interesting to see how it evolves and i think something else that you kind of got a feeling from her so her going back to um H- the the prison and meeting with some of the former um female inmates that she'd met with previously that she does I think in the past she's kind of gone back to sick children and that kind of thing. It, like there are people who she does carry with her once she's met them and is kind of in, is interested in how how their lives work out. And uh, you know there were some tremendous some tremendous pictures like yeah. ch- children in you know yellow hats and bricks being thrown about and all yeah, sorts. Yeah, just of back to that. On. I mean the stuff at the prison. I mean she, I think she first visited in in, in twenty fifteen and was very very interested in their. Um, you know, their drug and alcohol program and how that has affected people's um, childhoods or certainly their not only childhoods if you grow up in an environment of, the, of that sort, but also what that means to, you know, for your future prospects. If you grow up in that sort of environment, how important is it for your development as a child, teenager, adolescent? So all of these are interlinked and I think she's doing it very well. Into, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of under the radar, but... This study, coupled with a couple of other big projects coming up this year, you, you would imagine that um, we will see, you know, and, and, and as she said before, this is a life's work. So I think we will see a lot of development over in the next um, sort of few months to years. And in those environments, she quite naturally talks about her own life 
as a mother and she talked about that feeling of being isolated, isolated when she was on Anglesey. Amazing story, really, because you think we don't we don't necessarily... I think she's opened up a lot since... So I've been doing this job nearly two years, can you believe? Is that all? Feels like forever. I mean, there's been... A, it's like dog years. There's been a lot of royal well, news. It's been incredible. You know, and a lot of the sort of veterans on the Royal Beat say this period of the last sort of 18 months really since the sort of Sussexes got married I mean it's been absolutely amazing non-stop anyway uh, sort of, I think she has really sort of opened up and she's got more comfortable in her own skin and she is using her own uh, experiences to connect to different people and a little I think joke today very... about waiting for a long time yes, for a proposal see and th- 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 these little snippets uh, and she's getting much more confident about you know, being able to reveal a little bit of herself because I suppose you're probably, you're probably terrified you just don't want to slip up or say the wrong thing. And now she's used to the press. She knows how to deal with them. She feels more comfortable around cameras. But that that revealing insight of saying when they were in Anglesey and William was off being um, a uh, search and rescue pilot of how she felt isolated. And I think a lot of mums and indeed parents would, 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 would uh, that would resonate with them. And I think that... That's that's really endearing to see that, that she's actually putting herself out there and and willing to to give a give a little bit of her personality. Well, I know we're not talking about the Sussexes this week, but there mm. were some people that did spot that some pictures of Meghan at the Mayhew emerged at pretty much exactly the same time as this yeah. as this project was being launched. There's a bit and of controversy about them, but it, just the fact that they came out at eight o'clock in the morning and the Sussexes would never normally put stuff out that. I think, and it was the, because Prince Charles's speech was being trailed at that time. So it depends if you're a conspiracy. theorist. It depends if you're a conspiracy theorist. It, Did uh, man land on the moon? Well, I believe yes, but um, I'm not a conspiracy <laughs> theorist. Uh, but what it either way, what it does potentially speak to is that with a fragmented household, yes, it becomes harder. For whatever reason, whether it's logistics or agendas, mm. it becomes harder to coordinate things. Well, it certainly will be, won't it? And this is this is the issue. Let's say, last Sussex mentioned because when they were trying to get it all sorted, they obviously didn't want the, the, the palace of the Queen did not want big news last week overshadowed. So you had. William doing his big event at Buckingham Palace, which Kate was there. Then you had Kate's big five questions. She was doing another event. Then obviously Charles was this is a big first trip to the Middle East and get you know official engagements in Jerusalem, Bethlehem, big deal, climate change, all these big issues. And if you don't have that sort of synergy between the houses, it's going to be very very difficult. And there will there will definitely be instances where things pop up. Over you know on the other side of the Atlantic, if they're doing their own uh, own thing, so um, I don't know. It remains to be seen. Yeah, because while there is infinite internet space and podcast space to a degree, as far as I can get, Russell in a room. In newspapers have a limited limited amount yeah. of space. Um, should mention very quickly, Sophie Wessex was also away in Sierra Leone, Sierra Leone last week. Yes big trip um now we're gonna get on to the naughty bit which has been the bad bit again for the royal family with prince andrew back me no no you've been very well behaved russell (laughs) i'm glad you're feeling a bit better um yes prince andrew back on the front pages of the newspapers today as it rumbles on it had gone away and now that um a u.s attorney in manhattan uh, stood on the steps, no less, of Jeffrey Epstein's former home in New York. Way to pick a backdrop I and mean, make an the impact. The optics are pretty strong. And then he delivered this speech where 
he was um, suggesting that they had, in quotes, had zero cooperation from the Duke of York and uh, intimated that the FBI had made attempts uh, to speak to the to speak to Prince Andrew and that he hadn't been forthcoming. Now, this is in complete contrast to uh, the statements he had previously given from, uh, you know, via Buckingham Palace and certainly in the Newsnight interview. Um, certainly, the, I mean, the statement said last time, of course, I am willing to help any appropriate law enforcement agency with their investigations if required. Now... That seems pretty conclusive to me that he has promised to help out um, if they come knocking. And it seems as though they have come knocking and the FBI do want to speak to him. Now, we must say Prince Andrew has denied all of the allegations against him. However, um, the main um, woman, uh, alleged sex abuse victim in all of this, Virginia Roberts Gaffray, her lawyer is, uh, is calling him out and saying, you know, if you've got nothing to hide... There are people who are deny, um, disputing your version of events, and you should speak to the FBI um, and any other law enforcement agency that um, that wants to speak to you. And it so, doesn't look good. So it doesn't. But I'm going to give another shout out to Carol Watson, who was on the previous episode, who has highlighted um, the tweets of Lisa Bloom, trial lawyer, who um, declared uh, she was said she was doing a round of various UK press interviews um, on behalf of the five Epstein victims she represents um, saying essentially that Prince Andrew should cooperate with law enforcement and answer questions but all of the interviewers raised the Harry Dunn case how many Americans have heard of this Um, so she says an American and Sekoulis will not return to the UK to face questions regarding the death of Harry Dunn outside an American airbase in the UK so this works both ways. Maybe if you extradited her, we might feel more that Prince Andrew should go to you, say some Brits. Um, I understand diplomatic immunity. So she was, uh, Anne Sekoulis is the wife of a diplomat. Um, but this is not a good look. If we want cooperation, you mu- we must cooperate in their investigations too. I'm tweeting about this to make Americans aware that this is very much on the minds of the UK press and public based on all my interviews. And then she's tweeted again saying, I cannot emphasise enough to my mostly American followers how outraged the UK public is that we are asking Prince Andrew to cooperate with our investigation. Yet American Anne Sekoulis is not cooperating with theirs, which involves a recent vehicle death of a British teen. So, you know... This is a fantastic point. And I think this is going to get a bit of traction in the US because a lot of people did not know about the Harry Dunn case and so it will resonate with people in the States because you know, we're supposed to have this special relationship and yet it would appear that um, that the Americans are, are, are not willing to engage with us uh, in, a, in a case that is, is of national importance and certainly if Prince Andrew, um, if, the, if they want to speak to him, then they will have to come through the relevant authorities on the flip side, there you know there are legal experts today saying that they wouldn't allow Prince Andrew to go to the states because of the fear of him being arrested. Now, certainly he's um, denied any wrongdoing at all, and I'm sure that there are relevant fears that if he did put himself up to be interviewed by the FBI, then you know it may be out of his hands. So I'm sure he is taking legal advice to um to try and safeguard his own future and it is yeah is it the the family of harry dunn are obviously very much campaigning for justice um for him so that something you know the the woman that the police want to question can be properly questioned um and the way they spoke about it was very moving and sort of kind of saying there is that degree of 
if something is being held against you do you do you face up to it and kind of confront it confront it head on or do you do you kind of ignore it and and leave it there to to fester essentially mm. so it's an interesting aspect well what it did prove is that the prince andrew saga is not going away and i think that this is going to run and run and certainly for Buckingham Palace's part, uh, there has been no comment. Now, um, it's been the, the any sort of requests have been put over to Prince Andrew's lawyers, and that shows you quite an interesting point that there is this distinction now because he has stepped back from public duties. He is uh, he's no longer a working royal, and therefore, you know, he's he's been left to largely sort his own affairs out. So, yes, that one will be coming up again. space. It will be. Um, One thing we know that is coming up very soon is BAFTA at the weekend. Yes. So BAFTA this year, they're going on the green green thing and sort of encouraging people to either wear something that they've worn before, hire something, or wear something vintage. So, Russell, have you got a favourite red carpet outfit that you'd love to see Kate wearing again? Uh, uh, The only one I know is the white one with the the sash with the the off-the-shoulder number. Oh, the one from last. I think that's the last, last year. year. Yeah, the, the one, the one, the one-shouldered, very shoulder. gorgeous Grecian-style gown. Grecian, very good. Um, so I put a few of my favourite ones up on the Instagram stories for people to rate. Or well, occasionally, snake. No, I think people mainly mainly like them. Um, I'll post them on the Instagram more permanently so you can see which ones I picked. Uh, so messages I had back were Alex Gayla Train. I need to see her in the pink Gucci again. So gorgeous. I didn't actually include that one in my selections because I think it's a bit too recent. Um, the green Jenny Packham with the amazing back from the 2012 Olympic Gala, which is one of my absolute favourites. Holly says that's that my... The one that got redesigned? No. no. I think it's yeah, the I black one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just you just need to say anything with a pussy bow, Russell. Come on. Um, Kate Kate wore a pussy bow to launch her um I think she was doing for her project. Yes, and some people have been tweeting me. I know. I love it. I know, it's great. <laughs> uh, so Karen Tiffey said that the Jenny Packham one is one of my all-time favourite gowns she has ever worn. However, she just rewore it last year. That's why I don't think it's likely she'll wear it to the BAFTAs. Um, Debbie Abood sent some heart eyes for the white and gold McQueen dress that she wore at the Malaysia State Dinner. Um, but Liz Ross wasn't such a fan. She said, it's kind of young for her and not very sophisticated. I could see someone in her late teens or early 20s rocking it. Um, she rated the deep blue Jenny Packham for the 2014 National Portrait Gala her second favourite, but she says, I die for the black velvet strapless she wore with the ruby necklace years ago, which I think is another um, McQueen one. Um, and Emma Nicholson, she wasn't sure about the white and gold McQueen for a BAFTA event, but yes, for a tour, as opposed to the pink Jenny Packham from the art gala back in 2011, where she said in absolute capital letters, yes, 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 a thousand times, yes. Well, that's pretty definitive. Yeah, it is. And I have to say, actually, I think I think overall that is my one that I would really like her to wear. And Marty Crescenti says, I love this one, but looking at it again, I am very aware that no part of my body could even remotely fit in, fit in this. And then she sent me three crying laughing emojis, and I was like, I know the feeling. Um Amy had a different view of things. She said, we don't share the same favourites, um, but the different perspectives and reactions about her fashion are part of what makes it so fun to follow um, Amy's favourites. She liked the red dress from the Chinese state dinner, um, which I do really like, but I'm not sure it's BAFTA. Um, she liked last year's incredible one-shoulder BAFTA gown, as as Russell spotted as well. Um, and unusually, she liked the Erdem for V&A, which really divided opinions at the time. It was quite a big kind of floral number. Um, 
looked a bit like a kind of Am I a, looking at you blankly? yeah it looked I don't know a bit a bit like a sofa bad sofa covering I yeah. think yeah no I really wasn't a fan sorry Amy um Missy MBSK says she hopes she goes for something vintage I mean it would be quite fun if Kate, oh, uh, Kate whipped something out I'm of the royal archive a, I'm just reading a message from Missy MBSK wow because I was just going trying to go through my messages and she said love posit save the queen uh, and you're reporting. I mean, this is a shout out to me, basically. But <laughs> Russell, on everything we love from you. Royal from pussy bows to other news. So yes, see, that's I'm, your tagline. I'm here to please new Twitter bio, <laughs> please now, Russell. So, um, so there we go. We, and next time we meet, we will probably get to speak about what Kate wore well, at BAFTA. Is there anything else going on, Russell, that we should know about? You always do this to me. And I, I know. always forget because I've just been busy with the stuff of the day. Um, uh, yeah, there is there is a lot. And we'll talk about there it. There is a lot coming up, so you just have to tune in next week and I'll uh, tell you all about it. Yeah, and follow us uh, in the meantime. Russell is busy on Twitter and on the Instagram these days. I'm we trying. Are, we are at Pod Save. Uh, we love to get your messages, and we love to have you with us. Um, this is your episode for this week. We're going to try and resume slightly more normal service and go back to one episode a week so that Russell can write even more lovely words for you to read in the newspapers on your free iPad trial again you never know well who knows there's no let up no let up well Russell I'm glad you have feeling a little bit better and your voice has held out great to have you with us listeners great to have you with us as well and until next time save the queen (laughs) 